Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would invade our hearts, invade our minds. That you would show us that you are so real. Show us our desperate need for you, for your power, for your conviction, for, for your wisdom. flooding through our lives. Lord, how often do I, I think in my own life that I can do this without you? Maybe not even think it, but, but act in a way that believes that I have the power. <laughs> Holy Spirit, would you convict my heart and show me how desperately I need you? Would you convict our hearts and show us how desperately we need you? Lord, I pray that you would tune our hearts to hear from you. That you would tune our minds to perceive what you're teaching us this morning. And we give you our hearts and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, family. What a sweet moment, man. Uh, well, welcome to Grace Spring. Uh, we're excited you're here this morning. My name is Kenneth Price. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, we have, uh, I guess I have the privilege to continue uh, moving through Genesis as we uh, go through Genesis this year. And uh, man, we've got a doozy this morning. You guys excited? Always, always. Awesome. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit this morning about marriage. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so I, I thought, you know, what better way to start talking about marriage and just give you an example of my own. How about that? All right. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I'm getting choked up already. Uh, so a, a week or so ago, I'm, uh, I'm sitting at work in the afternoon. I'm working on uh, getting this class ready. We started uh, the Colossian Way which if, if you haven't heard about, it's just been really, really cool, really, really life-giving. It's an opportunity to learn how to fight well um, and argue really good. Um, so, like, if you need help in your marriage, like, might come to Colossian Way the next time we offer it. Um, but, so I'm sitting there getting ready, and I get a text from my wife, and she says, hey, uh, I want a treadmill. And I was like, okay thinking like, yeah, I'd need like extra space to hang my clothes. That sounds great. <laughs> and you can tell like I'm not one for treadmills. And so my wife is, I'm like, what, what are you thinking about this? And like, I did not expect, she already had a plan. So I have been on Facebook Marketplace. I found one for $50. And I was like, okay, how are you going to get it? <laughs> she said, well, you have a truck. I said, okay, are you going to come get the truck? No, you're going to help me. I'm like, okay. And so I said, where is this treadmill? And she says, it's in Vicksburg. So I said, That's okay. So um, as you can probably tell, I was like, I'm, I'm at work. Maybe after work, I can come help you get the treadmill all the way down in Vicksburg. And so, uh, you know, two hours later, there I was in Vicksburg um, in some stranger's basement. Um, and he's like, you're going to have to carry this out yourselves. And man, this, it, if you've ever like carried it, they're pretty hefty, right? And so I'm, I'm looking at this treadmill and I'm like, where are we going to put this thing, babe? And she's like, well, you know, like in the basement or, you know, upstairs, wherever. And so I'm like, okay, like you got a plan, apparently. It's a really good one. And so we proceed to carry this treadmill out of the guy's basement and put it in my truck. And so then we get home, I unload it in the driveway. And then we have to take off to teach the class. And so we're teaching the class that night. The treadmill's in the driveway. And we get home, and it's like 9 o'clock. And she's like, you know it would be a great idea? And I'm like, what? And she's like, if we go ahead and move the treadmill inside. And I was like, you know, I had a plan. I thought we'd just put it in the garage for tonight. <laughs> Do you know where it uh, ended up? Inside. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you guys are smart. You're, you're catching on. Um, and so what ends up happening is, is 9 o'clock at night, and we, we get the treadmill, and we're carrying it inside, me and Monica, 
Um, which she's like, she's strong. Like, she's probably stronger than me. Um, we get to the, the landing, and she's like, I think the basement is probably where we want to put this thing. I'm like, sure it is, of course. <laughs> and if, you don't, you've, if you've never been in our house, we have, it's, an, it's a 100-year-old house. We have the steepest steps in the world. Like, I have fallen up the steps multiple times. <laughs> They're terrifying. And also, the, the hallway, like, the, the stairwell is just, just so narrow. Like, I barely fit in. Like, sometimes I have to turn sideways to go down in the basement. And so, like, I'm like, what are we going to do? And so you, you come in from our three seasons room, you're on the landing, and then it turns right into our kitchen and goes straight down the basement. I'm painting you a really, it's a good picture, right? So we turn the treadmill around the side and get it kind of into the kitchen, and we realize we can't get it down the steps unless we close the three seasons room door, but we can't close the three seasons room door because the treadmill, it reminded me of friends, like pivot, pivot. <laughs> And so we end up getting it kind of into the kitchen. We close the three seasons room door. And then I realize that I am trapped in the basement steps. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so we end up like start moving around and it gets pinched. It gets like pinched in between the door frame and the wall. And I'm like, this is, it, why are we doing this? You know what would have been a great place to put this? The, the garage. <laughs> And the, the time is ticking on, ticking on. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get this thing down here. So eventually, I'm like, hey, I need you to go get some Allen wrenches. We're taking this thing apart because it will not fit down the narrowest steps in the world. And so she goes and gets Allen wrenches, and I, like, go to, go to work on it. And guess what? She brought me um, millimeter Allen wrenches, and I needed the other ones. So I'm like, they're in the garage, like the, it's in this shelf, you need to go out there and get them. So she, she goes outside, goes and gets, and I'm stuck in the stairwell and just like, why, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> I don't understand, Lord, you gave me this woman. <laughs> I have full permission to tell you the story, I, I asked her. Uh, and so she comes back and she's like, the Allen wrenches are not out there. And I'm like, I'm positive they are. I need you to find them if, if you want this treadmill downstairs tonight, right? So she goes back, and sure enough, they were not exactly where I told her that they were. Uh, they were in another drawer. So she found them. We took the top off, and then we're like, okay, we got this now. We, we move it around the corner, start going down the basement steps, and we realize it still will not fit. And so I'm like, get me some more Allen wrenches. We're going to take more of this thing apart. <laughs> so we end up taking the arms off, carry it down. And, and literally just have the, just the tread part at this point. And I'm like, I, I'm underneath it, and this thing falls on me. Like, I, I trip off the bottom stair, and it, like, falls on my face. And I'm just like, I'm done. You can put it back together if you want. I'm going to bed. See you later. So anyway, I bet you know it happens. It's 1130 at night, and I finished putting it back together. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to bed. You can run on your treadmill if you want. You better use this thing every day, <laughs> or it will quickly become the place where I put my clothes. <laughs> hey, you know, $50 and a few hours labor is probably cheaper than the, the closet project she wanted me to do, right? So anyway, I tell you all that, that story because marriage is a gift. <laughs> but really, it got me thinking, and you know, I was, I was having a conversation with Monica, and uh, this was you know, a few nights ago, and I was like, hey, you know, we're going to talk about marriage at church. Um, really been praying through this, seeking scripture, and, and I want to talk about marriage, and I want to talk about singleness. And I'm like, what, what would you appreciate hearing, and, and what would you not appreciate hearing from the stage, you know? She's like, tell the story. It's great. I think, you know, people will love me, and <laughs> right? She's awesome. But what, what she ended up saying, she, she brought up this story specifically, and, and this is not like anything that it's like, cool, I had availability, I had time, and I had willingness for my wife, right? Cool. But what she talked about is just the give and take of marriage. And, and what's beautiful in that moment is I just thought like, okay, I'm moving a treadmill. You know, that's fine. I joke about it. I sound spicy, but it was like, you know, my wife, she wants something. And it's very reasonable. Like, you know, I, I have a few muscles, uh, less now. They have deteriorated, I'm positive. But in the midst of this, what, what we started talking about is just this idea of submission and this idea of, of caring for one another and putting each other's needs above our own needs. 
And, and it's like, I'm not a perfect model of this at all, right? But in that moment, and this is what I want to just kind of talk about, in that moment, it's like, why not? And I think like so many times as we talk about marriage and, and we talk about singleness and we talk about the way that the Lord is shaping us, sometimes we can, we can really like get focused on ourselves. And so like I, I have an answer to this whole problem. And I don't know if you're ready to hear it because it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. You want to know, know the answer to how to do this right? Yeah? And then I'm going to just walk off the stage. I think we're done. Here's the answer. You need to be obsessed with Jesus. <laughs> Easy, right? So here's the deal. And, and, and we'll, we'll unpack some things, and I'm, I'm going to give you like what Scripture says and, and all that. But we will never figure this thing out. We'll never figure out how to be single well or how to be married well if we are not completely, unabashedly obsessed with Jesus. There's no other way to do it. So like in, in the heart of this, like the point that I really want to drive home in all of this is that I will never be a good husband. I will never be a good father. I will never be a good pastor. I will never be a good friend. I will never be good at any relationship. There's shades, right? Like I, I, I believe that like we have some decency in us. We're born with morality, but here's the situation. I will never be good at any of those things unless I am completely unequivocally equivocally obsessed with Jesus. And what I love, like I've been reading this book um, that talks about like just kind of making disciples and, and how we become disciples. And, and what, what he talks about in this book is, is that in order to grow as disciples, we have to be with Jesus, we have to become like Jesus, and we have to do what Jesus did. And, and so here's, here is everything in a nutshell. As we, as we look at the curse and we look at all these other things, the bottom line of all of this is that as I am spending time with Jesus and I, as I'm obsessed with him, I start to look more like him. Right? I mean, I want you to think about your relationships. I've talked about this before, but, but we become kind of an amalgamation of the people we spend the most time with. I find myself all of the time using the, the same words and phrases that my coworkers use because I spend a ton of time with them. Right? I find myself all the time saying the words and phrases that my kids say because I spend a ton of time with them. Like, I, I noticed, like, even in the office the other day, Judah, I told you guys this a while ago, but he was stuck on this phrase, what are doing? Now, what are you doing? What are doing? And, like, I find myself in the office, like, hey, Ginger, what are doing? It's like, smart. <laughs> sound, sound like a three-year-old. So the heart of this message and the heart of everything that we're attacking here today is whether you're single or whether you're married, whether you believe in set gender roles or don't, whether, I mean, we could have arguments about all of these things, but the heart of all of this, the reason that we're in this building right now, it's all about Jesus. And so, like, I, I want you to hear very carefully what we're going to say this morning, because there's a lot of room to, to argue about these things, right? And, and there's probably going to be some things that I say that upset you, and that's all right. We can argue well. There's probably going to be some things that you're like, man, I wish you had said more, and that's fine. But what I'll say is, like, there, there's a holy conviction in my heart for, before we move any farther, for us to realize that all of this, all of it, every single piece of this, it hinges on one thing, and that's obsession with Jesus. It, when, when we get that right, everything else will start to become right. Amen. We ready to get into the text? Sorry, that was a big intro, but I'm, I'm just convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. All right, so we're going to be in Genesis 3. We have made some ground in the last few weeks, right? It's like mid-February. We're in Genesis 3. My Bible says we've made it four pages. <laughs> Exciting. All right, so I want to I invite you to turn to Genesis 3. Uh, we're going to be in verses 16 through 19. It's going to be really exciting to read about. I'm going to invite you guys to stand once you get there. You guys ready? It's fun. All right, Genesis 3, 16, this is what it says. And to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. 
And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can have a seat. <laughs> Thanks be to God. This is <laughs> Woo! <laughs> There's a lot here. You know what's interesting, like, um, as we start to kind of unpack some of these things, I was thinking, uh, there's a lot of times that, that we don't like to talk about um, this subject that we're going to talk about this morning. And there's a lot of room, and, and this, this is what I want to just kind of start, there's a lot of room for people to hear what they want to hear. There's a lot of room for people to interpret things the way they want to interpret it. And so what I really want to do is, as we jump into this, I really want to invite the Holy Spirit um, to, to guard our ears and guard our hearts. Like, the, really the last thing um, that, I would, that I would want is for anybody to walk out of here and, and hear something that I didn't say, or to hear something that I said and walk away with a bitter heart, um, because we're in the body together. And, and, you know, if you don't like me, that's fine, but you're going to spend eternity with me, so let's get it right. <laughs> So I'm just going to, Holy Spirit, would you, just, uh, would you just be here? And would you just open our hearts and minds to what you want to speak to us? These are not my words, Lord, but I, I pray that they would be yours. Um, invade our hearts and invade our minds so that we can hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So here's a question I want you to consider. Do I view my relationship with Christ as the most important relationship regardless of my marital status? Do I view my relationship with Christ as the most important relationship regardless of my marital status? I would like to throw this quote around a little bit, but Tozer, he's, he famously said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us? I want you to sit in that for just a second. It's a, it's a little wordy and a little twisty, but what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How am I viewing God? And I've, I've shared with you guys before, like I, I think, you know, the, the church that I grew up in, nothing against them, but because of the theology that, that was there, I, sometimes I viewed God as scary. I, I was just waiting to slip up and waiting for the, the lightning bolt to hit me sometimes. Some of us, we view God as like, you know, our sugar daddy in heaven. Hey, I know we haven't talked recently, but if you could help me out with this situation, like, that'd be really great. And I think, like, this is my opinion. I heard this statement one time, and I think it's miraculous, but, but this idea, Jesus is the most life-giving person I've ever met. And really, like, as I, you know, as, as we get into this subject, just thinking, like, Wherever we're at in life, whether, whether we're single or whether we're married or whether we want to be or whether we don't, either of those things, am I viewing my relationship with God as the most important relationship in my life? And this is the baseline for all of this conversation. Because if I'm viewing my spouse as, as the person that needs to complete me, I will be let down every single time, as, as wonderful as she is. If I'm viewing, if I'm single and I'm viewing, this is how I was before I got married. I, I went to Bible college, and I don't know if you've heard of, like, the whole thing, but it's, like, guaranteed a ring by spring or your money back. <laughs> Some people called it bridal college. <clears throat> but there was a situation. I, I went, and the Lord knew the desire of my heart the whole time I was there. I was like, man, I, I want to find somebody to partner with in ministry. I want to I find a wife. You know, and I watched all of my friends fall in love and get married. And then, you know, after that, I was like, man, I'm out of Bible college now. I'm, I'm in the real world. Lord, you know the desire of my heart is to be married. Like, I don't know what's taking so long. Like, I was frustrated, you know, and it, it was into my late 20s before I finally met Monica. 
And I know, you know, in the situation, we're all in different places, right? But for me, that, that was a thing that I think the Lord needed to pair some things in my life and prune some things in my life to make me ready for her. Because like the situation was, if I had met her way earlier, like she would have hated me. I was an idiot. But also like the way that I viewed marriage at that point was waiting for somebody to come along and complete me. And that's just not healthy. Only Jesus can complete the, the holes in our hearts. And so like even as we think about that, uh, here's another question I want to pose, or uh, another thought I want to pose. God uses our marriages and our singleness as an opportunity for sanctification and his glorification. What do I mean by that? You have a unique role to play in this world. And I really believe that both in marriage and singleness that God uses the way that we live our lives to show a lost and dying world his goodness. Let's, let's think about that, break that down just a little bit. For those who are married, I mean, God uses that analogy throughout Scripture of, of us being the bride of Christ. For some of us men, we're like, ugh, bride of Christ? I don't want to be a bride. It's a weird feeling. But like in the midst of that, like he, he uses the metaphor of marriage to show his goodness to, to a lost and dying world. And for those of you who are single and walking through life in, in whatever stage you're in right now, I want you to think about the devotion that, it, that, that you are living out. Showing God's goodness and kindness to a world that tells you that your worth is set in the relationship that you, are, you might feel like you're missing out on. But your faithfulness and your strength in the midst of that is showing the world God's goodness. Both of these scenarios, God, God has made a very important role for us to live out. And, and I, I believe that we have to, wherever we're at, in the situation that we're at, we have to be so entranced by him so that we can, we can live fulfilled in our own hearts, but also to live out his goodness in the world around us. So as we kind of unpack this text a little bit, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the roles that we see in Adam and Eve, and I want to talk about how we see that lived out in our lives based on the curse. So, um, you know, in Genesis 2.15, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but in Genesis 2.15, God looks at Adam and he tells him some very specific things that he's supposed to do on the earth. Now, this is before the fall, before they ate from the fruit. This is what he told Adam. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so I'm not going to try to pronounce these Hebrew words um, because I've already embarrassed myself enough. But um, so this work is, is the idea of to serve through labor. So even in that moment, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that Adam, was, his, his job was to work, and it was holy, and it was good. Work existed before the fall, and it was good. And work exists now, and it's still good, because we can do it for the glory of the Lord. But, but the idea here, when you look at the original word, it's to serve somebody or something through the labor that you're doing. And so, like, for a man, it, it's set in my heart to work towards something. It set into my heart. Look, yesterday I realized that my toilet was leaking, and I, what should have been a 10-minute repair took me four hours and three trips to Menards. But there was this thing that happened. As soon as I saw it leaking, I was like, I cannot rest until this is fixed. It's not right that, that this is leaking. And it, it, I was obsessed about it, right? I was like, until this is done, there is no rest. And so we made it happen. You know, thank God that I have like a little bit of plumbing skills. Just tightening screws, it's great. Nice and easy. But buying the right screws, that's, that's a skill all on its own. <laughs> I'm not going to be embarrassed by carrying one in with me and putting it up next to the box, right? I'm going to guess four times. <clears throat> the other part of this that I love so to work it and to keep it. And, and this, there, there's a lot of times that the Bible uses this word to keep throughout Scripture. And I think it's really beautiful. And, and I put up some of the, some of the differing meanings that, that the Bible might use when it says this word to keep. But it's to guard, to protect, to keep watch and ward over, or to preserve. And like I think about 
um, the roles that we've settled into in our house. I, I don't know if you guys are, are this way, but in our house, we each have things that, that we just kind of naturally fell into, right? So I'm the dishes guy. Like, it, it's just what I do. Like, I, I love to cook also, but like, um, I, I love to, every single night, I love for the dishwasher to be running. Every single morning when I wake up, I love to leave the house with an empty dishwasher. Like, that's just, I, it's just an obsession of mine. We can talk about the best soap that you use. It, it's, I love it, right? In our house, one of my roles, like, I'm, I'm the trash guy. So the, the trash goes out. I, every, every Tuesday morning at our house, the trash goes to the curb. I have a reminder on my phone to tell me when recycling is. You know, it's great. I am the door lock guy, right? So every single night when I go to bed, the doors get locked, and we live kind of in the neighborhood, you know? Um, so the doors get locked, and, and I check on my family, and I make sure everyone's fine. And, and I think that that is inside of my heart. And I'm not saying this the same way for everybody, but inside of my heart, that is one of the ways that this word to keep ha- has planted itself inside of me to look at my family and to view them a- as people that are worth protecting. So to work and to keep. This was, this was the mission that God gave Adam originally. And and we can argue, if you want, that you know, not everybody feels the same way. There, there are women who feel like to work and to keep, that that's important, and that is true. But what I'm telling you is in the original design, in the original heart, what God had for Adam was specifically to work the garden and to keep it. And this was before Eve even came around. He's looking at him and saying, your job here is to maintain this garden and to build the beauty, to, to have dominion over this garden and to help me extend it. And, and create and make beautiful things. So this is not lesser, it's not better. It's, it's the role that God gave in that moment. The second here, I want us to look at Eve's role. And this is where like, we can get some guff sometimes. <clears throat> in verse 20, um, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord uh, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed it up, uh, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And so like in this situation, the the word that that God used here is helper, helpmate, helpmeet. And, And I love like how this word is used throughout scripture also. Because, like, there's so many times, and I've heard this argument before, like, I've, I've, for, for strong women who, who feel like, am, am I relegated to a position just to be a helper? And, like, the beauty of this word used throughout Scripture is amazing, because even God takes on this mantle of, of a warrior who comes to rescue, and he uses the same word. That is beautiful. To help one who comes alongside or aids, one who is corresponding. This isn't just like a, a measly position. This is someone who comes alongside to rescue. So like in, in the midst of it, I, I want to tell you, like there's so many times my wife has rescued me, right? Because I'm an idiot. Like I need all the help I can get. And, and like the beauty of this is we're even talking about this, like the, the way that she is wired like, uh, I'm going to, like, get a little more into the idea, but even as I'm working on the toilet, she's like, have you considered, like, calling across the street and see if he could come help you? Like, woman, this is my domain. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, he has that tool, and I'm like, then, then in your head, it's like, why don't I have that tool? Am I a weakling for not having that tool? Maybe I'll go to Menards and buy that tool. <laughs> I need to go another time. In the midst of this, though, what, what's beautiful is, is even watching how that plays out, right? Because I'm in there just laboring away in the tiniest of spaces. It's a theme in my house, the tiniest of spaces to get things done. And, and what happens is she comes alongside, and she asks me if I need anything, and she, she cares for me, and, and she, she offers her support and her love. I have, I have this theory, um, and it, it's kind of backed up, but whenever I walk through like premarital counseling with folks, I love to go through this book called Love and Respect. You might have heard of it, but this book, it, it changed the way that I view my marriage. And, it, and honestly, it changed the way that I view my relationships with people around me. And, and here's the heart of it. I'm just going to give you like a brief little flyover. Um, highly recommend. I think they rebranded it to the crazy cycle because we're all crazy. 
But, but here's the situation that he talks about in this book how um, men largely, and, and like I said, no, no sweeping statements here, right? You might feel differently, that's fine. But men largely are wired to desire and to seek out respect. So in my life, I want to be respected. I want to know that I can answer the question, am I good enough? And so what happens is I communicate most of the time through respect. It's really easy for me to share that I respect somebody or that I appreciate something that somebody's done. I, I speak through respect, and I also hear through the filter of respect, right? And especially, like, as a words of affirmation guy, like, I, I'm like, if you respect me, like, that means so much to me. And I think that you live and die by that sword, right? That's dangerous. But, like, in the heart of that, like, I, I communicate respect. I hear respect. I want to be respected. For women, a, for a large part of women, they want to be loved. They want to be cherished. They want to be known. They, they want their hearts to be full and feel like they, that, that they are not being completed, but, but that their heart is full. And so, with this, you know what happens? Women often communicate love. It's like in the, in, in the way that they even communicate. Think of, think of the helper, right? Think of coming alongside and rescuing and doing all of these things. What they communicate is, is a deep love and admiration and appreciation. And what they hear is love. What they want to hear is love, right? So for me, my wife, she wants to hear and feel how much I love her. My problem sometimes then is like we're doing these things and I'm like, I respect you so much. And she's like, but I want to be loved. <laughs> right? Can you see where it's the crazy cycle? And then she's like, I love you. And I'm like, but do you respect me? Not like that. Come on. <laughs> Woman, you will respect me. I'm kidding. That never happens in our house. We're, you know, whatever. I cook. I clean. Um, <clears throat> I digress. But in the midst of this, I, I think sometimes, like, you, you look at these things in the way that, that God wired Adam and Eve also, right? The, the mission of the man on the earth at that time was to, to, to work and to guard, to work and to protect. And what does that, like, what is, what is a man's primal need that's coming out of that? I need to know that the work of my hands is accomplishing something. And, and how do I receive that? Through knowing that I've done good things, that I am worthy, that I'm good enough. That's respect. And what does a woman do in this situation? Eve was built to come alongside Adam and to cherish him and to love him and to, to, to be the support that he needed. And I'm not saying that, that we live only in those things. And that's where I'm asking the Holy Spirit to guard us is because sweeping generalizations, I think, are the enemy of good discourse, right? But in the midst of this, you can look at the way that you've been uniquely wired and see how those things come alongside each other and how even the way that we communicate with each other can be muddled sometimes because we're so focused on what we need. And so like even in the midst of that thing, what I said in the very beginning is where it becomes important is because if I'm not connecting my internal desires, if I'm not connecting the, the way that I was wired with the sanctification and glorification of Jesus in my life, I'm going to miss it every time. I will never fulfill the things inside of me that Jesus has wired me to be if I'm not fully focused on him and who he wants me to be. And so what does that look like? When I am a better follower of Jesus, you know what happens is I am more attentive. I'm paying more attention. I'm, I'm walking a slower life. I'm speaking words of, of kindness and goodness and gentleness. I'm, I'm full of more self-control. I'm more meek. I'm more humble. I, I am seeking him. And do you know what ends up happening from that? That floods out of my life into the people around me. Have you ever been around somebody who is just obsessed with Jesus and you're just like, man, that is the most peaceful, most amazing person I've ever seen and I just want to drink from their presence? Have you been around those types of people? But do you realize that, that when those things, that when they flood through me, that I have no choice but to treat my wife in that way? I have no choice but to treat my children in that way. I have no choice for that to flood into the world around me and, and to inhabit all of my relationships. That's what happens. We get filled with the fruit of the Spirit instead of the, the, fruit, of the uh, fruit of the flesh. 
And so like in the midst of that, I become a better husband. I become a better father. I become a better friend, a better pastor, all of those things. And it's all rooted in, in, in the source of Jesus Christ fulfilling my inner needs, the, the longings and desires that he has uniquely wired inside of me, inside of you. It's like in the midst of that, we're fulfilling those roles. And so what I want to do is I, I want to look a little bit at the curse. So thank you, Adam and Eve. We appreciate it. What I find interesting here is like I was reading through the Bible, and you can do some research here and look at it. I don't see a spot in there where, where God told Eve, don't eat the fruit. And this is kind of intriguing me. I see where he told Adam. And so like in the midst of this, like, I, I can see how, like, you know, Eve's at the tree, and, and the first thing that the serpent spit out was, did, did God really tell you that? And, like, in that moment, it's like, well, my husband told me that God said that. You, could you see how there's a little doubt there? Right? This is just a little food for thought, right? So, anyway, as we continue, all the women who have had children, you can curse at Eve now because multiplied pain in childbirth. Woo! I was there for the births of both of my children, and let me tell you, like, it's real, right? Thank you, Lord, for wiring me the way that you wired me. I, I'm thankful, but, and I look at my wife and I'm like, man, thank you. Like, seriously, thank you so much for giving the gift of the birth to our children because that was painful. That was hard. Yeah, I have so much respect for her. <laughs> there it is. Respect. And then the interesting thing here is, is that, and, and we see this play out. I mentioned it the last time I preached, but there's a contrary desire over their husband. So, so in the midst of this, you'll see this rise up, right? In, in houses where the man is not the primary discipler, where the man is not pursuing Jesus, but the, but the wife is, what ends up happening sometimes is, is that the wife rises up and starts leading the family. Now there's some real danger in what I'm saying, because what ends up happening sometimes is that the man takes authority and dominion and then abuses it. And then what we've done as the church sometimes is told the woman, well, he is the spiritual authority, so you just better submit to that. But in the midst of that, the husband is not living up to the authority that God has called him to, and, and he's, he's living in that wrongly. But then he's demanding that his wife submits. That's just dangerous. Like, the roles that God gave us d does not give provision for disobedience to continue and for us to just be okay with it. And, and what I want to say, like, if, if you're in a situation or have been in a situation where you've been in a marriage and, and the authority is being abused or the authority is being misused, um, I think that there is so much grace for you. And I'm sorry for the way that the church has handled that. Sometimes I really believe that that being obsessed with Jesus on both accounts are the thing that continues to propel us towards because I, I believe me I've seen situations where where the husband is just a joker and he's continually saying well I'm the authority of the house and it's like well you sure sure aren't living that way man you sure aren't living under the authority that Jesus has given you and so in in all of those situations we need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit submit ourselves to Jesus so that we get this in the right way right? So the curse for Adam, cursed work and death. Thanks, Adam. We're all going to die. So I've got to fly through like the rest of this. We're not going to hit everything. I'm sorry, but here's the deal. I think that this passage has been abused a lot over the years. And this is what I want to be really careful in the way that we approach this. But Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, I think is one of the most beautiful passages of scripture. And I think that if we really read it for all it's worth, then man, it will mold and shape and change the way that we view marriage and singleness. Okay. So here, here it is. I'm going to kind of fly through it a little bit and we won't read all of it. Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And that's uh, a lot of churches. That's where we put the period. <laughs> And that stinks. Can I just be really honest? That stinks. Because there is so much more rich text that follows. And if we put a period there, we are so in danger of, of maligning our sisters and, and shoving them to the side and treating their gifts as invaluable. And what I want to say to you women in here is that your gifts are valuable and we need them. We need your voices. We need your heart. We need your shepherding. We need, we need you to continue to be what God has called you to be. 
And this is where it gets real, okay? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Here's the gut punch. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How, how, how did Jesus love the church? Last time I checked, he stinking died for her. And a lot of us as husbands, we can't even live for our wives, let alone die for her. You want to talk about a real gut punch? This is what I'm talking about. You know, as a man in a relationship, your calling is to die for that beautiful woman. To die for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What does this mean? You know, I don't want to get crass here, but like, I've, I've heard of so many husbands that are like, it's my wife's job to please me. What does it mean to love her in the same way that you love your own body? <laughs> well, if those are my desires, what are her desires? There, there's so many things we could get into here, and I, I just don't have all of the time in the world, but here's the situation in the midst of all of these things, is, is that, like, in all of this, both people are to submit. We're all to submit to one another. And, and if we view this body here as an extension of family, because we're all adopted into his family, then we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what Paul tells us to do. But husbands are to die. It's my job every single day to wake up and die to myself so that I can continue to point my family towards Jesus. It's my job to wake up and die to myself so that I can show my wife how much I love her and how cherished she is and how beautiful she is and, and how when we work together, we are hope to the world around us. It's my job. It's my responsibility. Where it gets messed up a little bit is when husbands don't do that and the wife is, is doing that every single day. And that's what Genesis 3 talks about, the resentment. Oh, I wish this man would lead me. So you know what you have to do in those situations? You have to lead yourself until he's in a position where he can. And that's hard. And that's, I think, why we see so much butting of heads is because God didn't create you to have to do that, right? But here you are doing it. You're doing both jobs, and that's hard. The last thing here is singleness and being married are gifts and examples to the body of Christ and to the, the world outside. <laughs> you walking into the way that God wired you and being obsessed with Jesus so that he sanctifies those things and shapes them inside of you. It's a gift to the body. It's a gift to the world around us. We need to see you fully alive, obsessed with Jesus, pouring that out in the world around you. It's amazing. So here's some reflection I want us to think about, okay? What is the step that Jesus is asking me to take? What's that step? So I think sometimes in the midst of this, like wherever you're at, like I, we, we believe at Grace Spring, our mission is to help people take a step closer to Jesus. But sometimes in the midst of this step can be really uncomfortable. Maybe for the man, it's like, ooh, ooh I have not been dying to myself. I'm, I'm living a lot to myself. I am not denying the passions of the flesh. I am not denying my own rights or my own whatever that looks like. Maybe, maybe it's time to step up a little bit. And I don't want to be like one of those, one of those men's ministry guys like, you know, shape up or ship out, right? But I think like if, if you're really honest and you look at the Holy Spirit and you say like, what do you want to do in my heart? I believe, I believe with everything inside of me. If you ask him honestly, he's going to point something out. And it might just be a little shift. It might just be a little shave that, that just needs to come off the side just a little bit. And, and then he's going to mold and shape you and change you. If you're in that situation where, where you're, you're the wife and you're like, man, I just wish my husband would lead. I wish that he would do this. I want to challenge you 
to think like, what are the next steps that Jesus might want you to take in that? Maybe it's been years and years of praying, right? And maybe in some of that, you have fallen into the trap of, of feeling really abused by spiritual authority in your life. And I, I want to invite a conversation in the midst of that. Because it is not right that the church should say, well, he's the authority, you need to do what he says. I want you to ask yourself, am I viewing my relationship with Christ as the front and center? Is that the first thing? And lastly, how should I engage with Jesus and others this week? Now, I know I've dropped a lot of bombs. <laughs> I know there's like some, some messy stuff that didn't quite get cleaned up. And so what I'm asking you in the midst of this is to hear what has been said with grace and, and to trust the heart of your pastors, trust the heart of, of the Holy Spirit as he shows you and illuminates these things. Because it's not an easy message. Brian, like, he set me up, man. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> so what I'd say is, if, if in the midst of all these things, if there's things you don't agree with, great. Like, but what I'd, what I'd love to say is if you disagree, like, let's have a conversation about it, you know? That, that's what I value so much about all the pastors and staff here is that for a church this size, you don't see that often where, where the pastors are willing to sit down and have conversations and answer emails and take phone calls and do all that. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing, and that's a value that our pastors hold commonly is that, that we want to, like, if, if we're going to be shepherds here, we want to be with you. And so if you disagree, if, I mean, any of those things, like, let's just, let's just chat about it. We can have conversations. It's great. I'm not scary. I'm a little scary. I'm big. Um, but as we reflect on that, there's a few last things I want to tell you about, and I'm going to try to speed through this because I went way over. Sorry. So here's the situation. We are in, in, embarking this week, and I know, like, we haven't told you yet, but you might have seen this cool little thing that was handed to you as you came in. If you didn't get one, I want to encourage you to grab one on the way out. But we're embarking this season on a Lenten fast. What's a Lenten fast? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, we're entering into the season of Lent, which is uh, historically, and if like you came from the Catholic background, you're like, oh yeah, I know what Lent is. Um, but this is not going to be legalistic at all. I want to encourage you in that. Um, but the situation here is Lent is a season of preparation, prayer, and, and um, looking towards Easter. And so as a church staff, we have felt um, called, we felt um, the Holy Spirit engaging with our hearts and minds to say, who um, is somebody that you know that needs to be sitting next to you at Easter? Who is somebody in your life that does not know Jesus, who needs to know Jesus? And what's amazing is the Bible tells us throughout Scripture that, that there is a power that happens when we fast. What happens is we deny ourselves and our own needs, and, and we engage that suffering and engage um, that denial with the Holy Spirit. Say, I am willing to become weak so that you can be strong in my body. And so what, what does the fast look like? You might give up food for the whole time. Um, I've done a 40-day fast before. It was wild, y'all. Like, I could talk to you about that too. I don't have time. But you might say, like, like some others fast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast from sunup to sundown, and you might eat dinner, right? Or you might say, like, maybe just denial is something else I need in my life entirely, and I'm going to give up social media, or I'm going to give up, you know, the news. <laughs> I'm going to give up my wife for a Lenten fast. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, sometimes my mouth just goes. Um, so what I want to encourage you, this is going to start on Wednesday. Um, so we wanted to give you these cards to explain a little bit about what we're doing. Really, the heart of this is for salvation. We want to see others come to know Jesus. And so on the back, there's some questions for you to consider to help you line up with what you might fast. And the question I love the most is, what is something I don't think I could live without? <laughs> if you write that down, maybe you should fast from it, right? Um, and then your commitment. I want you to write, I want you to think about who you're praying that will come to know Jesus. And then I want you to sign it and date it. And decide by Wednesday. So you've got a few days to think about it, to pray about it, ask the Lord what he would have you do. And then on Wednesday, we're going to start engaging um, the body. And you'll see it like on our social media. We're going to have specific prayers. We're going to have, you know, pastors and elders and different members of the body praying through social media as, as we uh, fast. Uh, this is all going to culminate in a 24-hour prayer week. Um, so this is really exciting. March 17th through the 23rd, uh, we're going to have time slots. We don't have it up yet, but you'll be able to sign up for a time slot online to say, hey, I will pray for this hour 
Um, and you could sign up for multiple. You could sign up as a small group. You could sign up as a family. Um, there's going to be times where we do it here in the building and times where even in the middle of the night, you might say, hey, I'm going to set my alarm and wake up at 3 a.m. and pray specifically for salvation. Uh, and we'll have some prayer prompts each day of, of focused times of prayer. We'll have prayer meetings here at the church. We'll have, uh, and that leads me to this other part. We're going to have a worship night to kick it all off. Uh, so that's going to be on March 17th at 6.30 right in this room. And we are gonna, we're going to prepare our hearts and our minds for what the Lord would have for us during that week. Because we just believe that God's goodness is so good that there are people that are lost and dying around us that need to know about his goodness. So I want you to envision it. I want you to pray about it. Who needs to be sitting in this room for the gift of Jesus Christ? What are you willing, how uncomfortable are you willing to get so that other people might come to know him? And I know that sounds like a little hyperbolic, but I'm being serious. I'm being really serious. It is amazing what the Holy Spirit will do when we are willing to sacrifice. It's amazing. It's unreal. Man, I'm going to pray for you guys. I love you all so much. Thank you for, for sitting with me in, the, in this tension. I always like to say that like, I'm not teaching you anything that the Lord isn't teaching me myself. He's very kind to me in that way that, man, he's, he's been working on my heart a lot through, through preparation for this message. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, each and every person here. Lord, I pray that you would um, touch our hearts, touch our minds, help us to engage with your Holy Spirit. Whatever the message is that you have for us this morning, um, I know that it's not really fun sometimes. It's not really popular sometimes to talk about the roles that, that you've created us with because I think so many times those roles have been abused. I think so many times people has, have misused your word to say things that you did not mean for it to say. And that's just really sad. And, and I just want to say, even as, as a member of the Big C Church, I repent for when that happened. Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness um, as part of your body. And I just pray that you would set our hearts and minds whole, that you would set us towards you. And uh, Lord, I, I pray just boldly that, that every person in here, that we would just become so, so, so obsessed with becoming more like you, that, that that's our, our primary focus, and then the rest will just fall into place. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give you the glory for everything you're doing in our hearts and in our minds today. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we respond in song. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, family, I'm gonna encourage you to stand up and let's sing together.